This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Pitt fans? Noah Hiles, Chris Carter here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Time for another Pitt mailbag. And Carter, the white smoke has risen from the Pitt football facility. We have an offensive coordinator. The search is over. Cade Bell is the guy. Your initial reaction. Um, I'm intrigued to keep looking at his offense as as we speak. I'm doing more research into finding full games because FCS football tape is not easy to just come across. <laughs> but um, I, you know, but I have to say, I think it's it's an it's an it can be an innovative move if it works. Um, it's certainly branching in a completely different direction than what I think Pitt has done in the past, and I think that's what a lot of people wanted. And so, you want different? You got it. So now it's just going to be about what does he bring to the table. Right, and we're going to get into how he's different here in the show. A lot of talk about Cade Bell, pretty much the whole show. It's going to be about the OC and a little bit of portal talk as well. We're going to get into all of that, but before we do, we got to talk about our show's presenting sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether if you're in town for a Steelers-Pirates pit game, uh, Mike's Steelers-Pirates or pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local craft beers, as well as their 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you can dream of. And trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do, and I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you want your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. Carter and I will be, well, I mean, we're speaking in the future now. Uh, we will be, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a guarantee that we had a nice time at Mike's Beer Bar Monday evening. Uh, with our fellow co-workers at the Post-Gazette. And Carter, we haven't put an official date on this, but we've discussed it. One of our uh, readers proposed this idea. We're thinking about maybe having a get-together with our pit readers. Just you and I will be there sometime at Mike's in the next week or so. We will announce that date probably on this show. Um, And uh, maybe sometime next week we'll head down there and just do a get-together with everyone who listens to the mailbag uh, or just people who read about pit. you know, people who are fans of us or maybe people who don't like us. There's no such thing uh, in that department for Chris, but I've got a couple of people who maybe want to say some mean things to me. But rather, if you're nice or not, just come on down to Mike's whenever we announce that day. Um, or maybe just don't say mean things to me. Just say them all to about me to Carter. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll filter that all out. I'm just kidding. But we'll have that to look forward to. We're going to stop all that Mike's Beer Bar talk now. We've got, we could talk about them all day. We're going to talk about Cade Bell instead. Big Game Panther gets us started off. He wants to know, 
What's the different? What's different about Cade Bell compared to your previous offensive coordinators? What can we expect from him? Chris, you've been grinding the tape. I've been yeah. making phone calls, talking to people who have worked with him, uh, been around him for a while. Um, I'll let you start. So first of all, I, I think it's going to be different. You know, it's different levels of play. One thing is to be expected is that when you change different levels of competition, different things have to be used. So not everything can just be copy and pasted from one team to another. But one thing that, that Cade Bell's offenses appear to do when I, they one, they love to line up in shotgun. They love to run play action to give the quarterback the option to be athletic if they wanted to. And they love to attack the easy passing options. They want to. One thing that I see a lot of at least what Cade Bell's offenses are trying to do. And I've only watched maybe two full games so far of West Carolina football. That's how far we're going here, folks. Um, but, you know, I'm still trying to find other examples of footage that I can use that can pace an entire play game of how he calls plays, how he designs and, and sequences plays. But one thing I see a lot of, he wants to test you on on this to the sidelines, to the middle, and kind of balance you out so that you're always in a guessing game when it comes to the passing game. And then that can, and he uses, he uses the quick passing game early to set up the deep shots and the run game. And he doesn't abandon the run. Like, it's not like he doesn't want to. But, like, you know, I've, you know, I think that what you're going to see is a lot of plays where Pitt, you know, Pitt's going to line up in the shotgun. You're going to have a single running back to the right or the left of, of, of the quarterback. They're going to fake a handoff. And it's going to be a quick pass to, to the outside for a pop pass, or it's going to be a slant, or it's going to be a two two different concepts with with either a tight end and receiver on one side or two receivers on the other. And those concepts are playing off of each other to give the quarterback, hey, if they're in man, go this way. If they're in zone, go that way. That's at least the structure that I'm seeing right now. And again, this is very preliminary. And I don't even know how much of Cade Bell, how much of that Cade Bell is going to use in the ACC, because again, it's different levels of competition, but that's at least the structure that I've seen so far in my dive into the tape. Yeah. I, I mean, I've less, I've watched less tape than Chris. And like he said, there's just not a ton of it out there because right. this guy's pretty much all of his coaching career has taken place at the FCS level or lower. Um, his, his stints prior to Western Carolina took place majority of them at division two schools. Um, his only FBS experience has come at South Florida where he was a quarterback's coach when his dad was the offensive coordinator for the bulls. Um, there he's never coached at a power five program for, mm. for anything, even as yeah. a graduate assistant. So I think what you're getting here. Um, to, to give you a less analytical answer, a less X's and O's answer, what you're getting here is something very raw, where if you look at the past offensive coordinators that Pat, uh, Pat Narduzzi hired, you had long track records yeah. of guys that you could look at and say, okay, well, this is what he did here. This is what existed there. Um, I mean, you could go Signetti, Whipple, Watson. I mean, these guys, those guys that were in their 40s, 50s, 60s when they were hired, even Matt Canada, who was considered young was, I believe 44 in his year as Pitts OC. Cade Bell is 14 years younger than yeah. that. This guy graduated yeah. high school last decade. So yeah. th this guy is young. Um, and I think that <laughs> no, that, he's your age. <laughs> he's a year older than me. Yeah. So no, it's trying to flex. <laughs> well, I'm just saying no, but like, that's, that's impressive that like, it's, it's hard to believe that, this is what ended up being Pitt's offensive coordinator because it's it's kind of the opposite of what yeah. a lot of people predicted. Um, 
uh, Narduzzi's kind of in the past been reluctant to go with the young up and comer because he wants continuity. He wants someone who's not going to succeed and take a job elsewhere. And that's what you risk when you hire someone who's 30 years old. But at the same time, that's what Pitt should want. Pitt should want the young, unknown, high-rising, offensive genius. And I'm not sure if Bell is that or not. We'll, We'll find out. But this was a gamble here, and it was something completely out of Narduzzi's comfort zone. Um, but based off of just the stats and the little film that I've seen, I think there's a lot to like as far as what it can bring to Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the strength on Pitt's offense right now is in its skill positions with what it has returning with Kenny Johnson, Day-Day Reynolds, uh, Kanate Mumfield, with what it has coming back at tight end, with what it's targeting in the transfer portal right now. You look a bulk of their offers made in the portal are, are skill or not skill guys, just wide receivers. They've, they've offered at least 10 to my count. So they're clearly going to try to load up at that position and they're going to get a lot of people involved and it's going to be, you know, high mode. I won't say high octane. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> make anyone yeah, just bring it back to bad right. memories. But it's, it's going to be a lot different than what we've seen from Frank Signetti. Uh, and, and, and I'll add this in as we wrap this up. Carter, just going by what I saw, I'm not sure Nate Yarnell is the best quarterback on the roster that fits this offense. I think it's a good question. This might be an offense that better suits another quarterback, one that we saw last year, um, who was brought in by the former offensive coordinator. I'm talking about Christian mm-hmm. Bayer, uh, which mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about later in this show. So Rico wants to know as we move on, was Bell the OC that Pitt wanted from the start of this search, or was he a guy whose name moved higher on the list because Others passed on the job. I'll start with this. I know for a fact he wasn't the first name on the list. It, right. it, and if you hear different, then that's just a lie. And and nor should he have been. Let's be real. Pitt's a Power 5 program. They probably had to do a little bit of digging to even stumble upon Cade Bell. Whereas you look at other guys who interviewed for the job or were at least offered the job or talked to about the job, um, they're more known. Like Seth Luttrell was a guy that Pitt had interest in, but he's now Oklahoma's offensive coordinator. There was, of course, Brian McClendon, someone that I heard a ton of information on earlier in this search, about a week in. Um, what ended up happening there, from what I've been able to gather, is that McClendon, and this totally makes sense in my opinion, McClendon is a guy who played at Georgia. I believe his dad played at Georgia. He left Georgia for like a couple of years, accepted a lateral move and or a wide receiver coaching position at Miami and then turned that job down just a couple of days later when Georgia offered him the same position. And when you look at what's going on with Georgia staff right now, there's a lot of departures because of the guy who took the Syracuse head coaching job and some guys are following him there. I think what happened was McClendon used this opening, used Pitt's interest in him as an opportunity to potentially get some more money out of the Bulldogs and solidify his longstanding uh, spot on that stuff moving forward. I know that his interest was nowhere near as what it looked to be uh, when I was told about his stock rising in the search a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but that stuff's going to happen for any offensive coordinator search at any program. So I know McClendon was up there on the list. I also know that Pitt reached out to Moorhead, uh, Joe Moorhead really early on in the search, which he kind of, turned down himself. I don't even think he interviewed for the job, but I know that he was at least approached. 
So yeah, there were more experienced guys contacted, but that's not necessarily a bad thing that Cade Bell was, you know, not the first or second choice. I mean, Mike Tomlin wasn't the Steelers' first choice in their in their coaching search. They had to interview a couple of people before him. And, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what you think about his coaching abilities currently and where they stand, I'd, I'd say that was a successful hire for the Steelers, you know, looking back all these years and all these ways. Don't make this show been, controversial, no. Right, no, I know. But I'm just saying that <laughs> just because it's not the first name on the first day of the list right. doesn't necessarily doesn't mean, right mean this is a horrible hire. I will say it's a gamble because – this guy has no experience at the Power Five level, so right. if if it works, Narduzzi's going to look like a genius. But if this is another failure to the level of Signetti, um, it looks a lot. This worse. could be, yeah, this could be like borderline a fireable offense. Because that's so the that's the gamble you take when you hire someone like this. I, I mean, you know, you brought up Tom. I think a, a comparison is Matt Canada. You know, Matt Canada had no NFL experience before the Steelers hired him. Granted, he was hired as a quarterback coach and then went up to OC. But, you know, you look at, at, at Cade Bell, this guy, this is his first FBS opportunity. So, yeah, if you miss here, it's not like, ah, oh, man, you just you got the guy that everyone wanted and it just didn't work out. You know, you know, who would have thought that? But this is a risk where if you miss on this one, people will point and laugh and say, you really thought that the FCS guy who was coaching for his dad was going to was was going to make a difference here. Like, come on. But if you hit on him, you're the genius that, that, that saw something that no one else did. So that's the two, the double edged sword of that situation. Yeah. Um do you have anything to add? Do you know of any other people that were offered? I think I forget who all we reported. Mac Leftwich, yeah. uh, former North Allegheny star. He was interviewed. I don't think he was ever higher on the list than Bell. No. Though. I think he was just kind of an extra interview. Um, Yurkic. The Yurkic was Pens- the, yeah, that was the other name. And that was a late interview, to my understanding. Yeah. Um, my guess was Bell kind of came onto the scene after three or four guys off the top of you know, at the very beginning, there were like three or four experienced guys that you just sent out feelers to. They None of them probably even interviewed yet. And then once they kind of knew where they stood with those three or four guys, they put together a list of a whole bunch of different candidates to see what was really out there. And I think Bell was a part of that group of people. But nonetheless, I mean, this is this wasn't their only option. And there were more experienced guys out there yeah. to hire. So I agree. he clearly did something to impress Pat Narduzzi. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So, Do you have anything to add there? Sorry, Carter. 
No, no, that was that okay. was it. Yeah, I was that. I think we're on the same page there. All right. So, John wants to know now that Bell is official and Coach Underwood is the only assistant confirmed to be sticking around so far. Are you expecting any assistant coaching turnover on the offensive side of the ball? I'll let you start, Carter. I think, uh, you know, maybe a little bit. But another thing with a young coach coming in, this guy's 30 years old. You might want older guys around to help him. But you also – here's there's another kind of way to think about that. You also might want younger guys with him because Underwood's, un, Underwood's confirmed to be sticking around, and I think that's really good news because I think he's a really good position coach and he's part of the future. And I also think that he also – like, you know, let's say Cade Bell blows up you know, in the next three years and people, and all of a sudden he's a guy that a lot of teams want because Pitt's offense is relevant and everyone thinks it's really exciting. Tyquan Underwood could be the next candidate that becomes right. the Pitt OC down the line. I think that that's kind of what might be leaned to if things work out in the right way, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but I do think that there's still questions about guys like David Borbley and Andre Powell, you know, older guys who've been around the program for quite some time and, you know, their groups weren't as you know sharp this year, you know, special teams, what hasn't been great for, for Pitt um, and running backs, you know, kind of was a, a middling situation. Whereas the offensive line, you know, wasn't wasn't too hot this year. Granted, they dealt with a ton of injuries. I'm not saying they're definitely gone, but I do think that they're going to consider their options there as far as who can they bring in that would best assist Cade Bell in that situation. Because I do believe this, while they're excited for his innovation, I'd bet that they're going to want people to help him organize the offense because, you know, Pat, Pat Narduzzi in his official statement talked about, you know, his ability to, to, to create relationships, and that's great and all, but – it's different creating those relationships with FCS kids than with, you know, D1 FBS kids that are looking to make the NFL, that are looking in the transfer portal every second, that are getting NIL money left and right. This is going to be a whole bunch of dynamics here. So uh, I, I think you'll you I think you'll see some changes, but I think big some of the bigger changes are going to be making sure that Cade Bell has guys around him to help kind of manage the room a lot better. Yeah, I totally agree, Carter. I, I also think it'd be foolish to expect a new OC to come in and not have at least one hire that he chose. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that would be kind of crazy. So yeah, I think Underwood was someone that they wanted to keep around for a lot of reasons. Um, one being that he finally gets to coordinate a passing game that could be explosive. Uh, and two, I think is his recruiting excellence there. I think he's one of the better recruiters on the staff. And on that note, you know, your OC has never really had to deal with NIL and recruiting. Right. Like exactly. that's not nearly as big of a factor in recruiting at the FCS level that as it is here at Pitt. So that's one thing, the portal, same thing. I mean, yeah, you have guys entering and leaving the portal, but it's a totally different thing at a power five program. And he's never even really had to recruit legitimate power five talent. I'm sure, you know, he sent some feelers here and there uh, early on, but the guys that Pitt wants are not in the conversation with FCS teams. At least they shouldn't be. So you're going to want someone. I think that Pitt's next move, as far as coaching staff goes, you need to figure out, because I've heard murmurs about maybe Borbley retiring or other coaches maybe taking a step down. If one of those experienced guys leaves, being Salem, Borbs, or yeah. our Powell, you need to find your offensive Charlie Partridge. And Absolutely. what I mean by that, and, and that obviously, yes, go out and find one of the best position coaches in the country. That's easier said than done. But what I mean by that is kind of like you have like 
the godfather of the staff, like an older, wiser guy who has been at the higher level, maybe even like a former head coach to coach a position group and someone who understands some of the things that Cade Mm -hmm. Bell has not had the opportunity to be a part of yet away from the X's and O's. Cause I think that is necessary. Someone who can kind of guide him there. So I don't know where that will be. My guess would be probably the offensive line. Um, But I I think it, at least one additional offensive staff change will take place. It would make a lot of sense. This question's from Sean. He wants to know, let me find it. uh, How closely tied to the offensive system are the recruits that Pitt goes after? Meaning, were some offensive incoming players brought in to fit within a Signetti-style offense additionally while most of the fan base and probably most of the players are happy about the new OC hire? Do you see any players decommitting or transferring because they had a strong relationship with Signetti? Well, here's the thing. I mean, Signetti wasn't here that long. He was here for two years. So who all did he bring in? He brought in the offensive players in this freshman class, which are wide wide receiver heavy. Um, None of those freshman receivers have entered the portal yet. So, right. and I think that that speaks to the relationship they have and, with Coach Underwood and Kenny and Kenny Johnson. Just Monday declared yeah. that he was returning. Right. So that says something to me right there. Offensive linemen can adapt to a lot of different schemes. I mean, it's not completely you know turnover guaranteed. Like if if you're recruited to block in a veer offense you might not translate well to something a little different than that but I I don't think that anyone would be discouraged I would say I I think that this is probably something that everyone on the offense wanted to be a part of obviously Pitt did have a decommitment this weekend Yasin Willis uh, flipped his commitment to Syracuse and that's a big loss I, I, I see some people downplaying it on Twitter he's the highest ranked nationally recruit national recruit in, in this class. And now Pitt has just eight offensive players in its 19 member 2024 recruiting class. And only three of those 19 guys are skill positions. So they really don't have a lot of incoming skill in this class, which clearly you want, but that's going to be where the new OC comes into play here. I think that they're going to be able to fill some openings from the portal mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect any other departures, though. I think everyone's pretty excited about this. That, that's, that's, but plus the other thing is that if you haven't left by now, your chances of probably finding teams are, are slim because team, a lot of D1 teams, if you want to get with a program that's going to put put you in a, in a good limelight, I, I think that that's going to be uh, – that that's that, you know, those chances are getting slimmer the longer that you stay in. So that's definitely something to consider. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, I, even like guys, like I look at like a guy like there, um, right. Who came in to play for Signetti. I still think you, you look at what he could do in this scheme. He might yeah. be a better fit. So we'll, we'll see. I, I don't expect any departures. I think that, I think that everyone on the offense was frustrated with how things went last year. And I think that everyone's excited for a fresh start. Um, you know, there might be a couple outliers, but I think that that's probably the general consensus. Final question of the day comes from Duke. Does the transfer portal tend to help or hurt teams that are around the same level as Pitt? Overall, has the transfer portal hurt Pitt or helped them? I'll let you start, Carter. Look, I think it's about the work that you do in the transfer portal. Right. It's not necessarily 
uh, a, a definitive answer every time. I think it's about your research, your performance, and then your development of players. Because you know what? Pitt has scored in the transfer in the transfer portal. MJ Devonshire is a transfer portal guy. Bub Means was a transfer portal guy. Don McMillan is a transfer portal guy. They've hit they've hit on guys. They've certainly missed on guys as well. You know, they, they haven't done well at the quarterback position really uh, with the, with their last two with their last two shots. Um, but I think it's about how you, how you use it. I, I wonder, and this is not an answer we've been able to get, Noah, about the specific resources that Pitt football has invests into transfer portal research and how they, 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 they try to make that an advanced part of their, their recruiting. But I know for a fact that after the 2021-2022 season, Jeff Capel was given specific right. researchers to build research all season long, like all, even while the season was getting played, there were just people dedicated to our job is to look at every player out there who might enter the transfer portal and be ready when they do. So that we give them the phone calls and lo and behold, that created getting Nellie Cummings, Greg Elliott, Blake Hinson. Uh, they already had Nike Sabande at, at that point, but Fetty Federico, they, they assembled the crew that led to the March Madness team that kind of revived pit basketball and brought everyone that exciting season. And that's just basketball. Football's a whole different beast. There's a whole lot more players to, to, to be concerned about. But I'd like, I don't, that, that's something that we don't know yet that I'm still working on, on, on learning. How does that work for Pitt? What is their process in Pitt football? Um, because that would tell a lot of what they do. Right now, I think they're doing a fine job, but I, I'm very intrigued to see how they how they move do it moving forward. Now that they have their OC, I know it was a major priority to get this OC hire so that when signing day comes, they're making their moves, they're being aggressive, and they're getting the guys they want. I would say so far it's been a net negative for Pitt, but a lot of that is Pitt's own fault. Um, but like just going through the whole track record, Jordan Addison obviously was a big loss. So they, they've, they've had one of the more significant poachings, I guess you could say, in the early era of the transfer portal. I mean, now it's happening to every team. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Oklahoma, Notre Dame, USC. You're no one's safe. But Addison kind of started that whole thing. And so that's, that's a net loss. I think Oak and Lola is going to be a big loss. We're going to end up looking back and – seeing how talented he is, and that's going to be a, a, a tough departure. But most of Pitt's failures, aside from those two, are just not finding the right guys. I mean, Slovis and and, and Djokovic, that's that's no one's fault but Pitt's. So, yeah. and, and those guys both prevented their teams from reaching maximum capability in their respective seasons as starters. So I, th- I think that those those two things, the the, the you know, getting Addison poached and then the quarterback selection the last two years has hurt Pitt because of the portal. But like you said, Carter, I mean, it's it's filled a lot of gaps as well. You, you mentioned Devonshire. You mentioned McMillan. Shane mm-hmm. Simon, another guy. And yeah. even strong role players. You, you look at... Tyler Wiltz. Yeah, Tyler Wiltz is one. You could you could point at Sebo Flemister. Yeah. Other guys who come in and they, they provide depth. And there are certain players as well who who've come in from the portal and they might not have been able to maximize their potential yet, but there are opportunities still there. A guy like Kanate Mumfield comes to mind. Um, even just younger guys. I, I think in the future, you might see something from some younger offensive linemen who have come in, maybe like a Jackson Brown. And mm-hmm. it's, it's too early to write off everyone, but I think that 
overall, yeah, it's been a net loss, but just because of Pitt's decision-making, it's been a net loss largely. I think that every team has an opportunity to get better from the portal. It just comes down to scouting and resources. And sometimes if you spend a lot of money, you get a good team. Sometimes you spend a lot of money and it still doesn't work out. And then what are you left with? Uh, sometimes you find these diamonds in the rough. Uh, one thing that I think is worth pointing out as we conclude this is because of the portal and because of COVID uh, eligibility, there are a lot of really good high school football players who didn't start their careers at Power 5 programs because the Power 5 teams were poaching guys with extra eligibility from mid-majors, from group of five teams. So you see a lot of talented guys right now playing at group of five programs that are now in the portal and who probably sh should have started their collegiate careers at a power five program, at a pit, at a Syracuse. But instead they started at a Kent state or an Akron because those were the only available opportunities for them. And they now are going to come to a power five school and have years of college experience under their belt and be ready to go from day one. And I, I think that that's where Pitt can really benefit. Pitt's never going to outbid an Oklahoma or a USC for a big-time quarterback. But where it can thrive is finding those guys buried on a really talented team's depth chart or those diamonds in the roughs uh, from the group of five schools who probably should have always been a Power 5 player. And if Pitt can identify those players, then it's going to really – have a better roster and that's what teams like Pitt need to do so. yeah I agree it, it's about your research and sometimes it's about pure luck like, right like, it, that's the other thing this is not easy like no. this is this takes a whole lot of work and research and you could do all the work and research you want and still be wrong it's like yeah. the NFL draft like like how many times every year do we hear oh this guy's gonna be the truth this and there's more film on, on guys going to the NFL draft than there are these these some of these kids we're talking about of the portal so like it's I think that's the other thing is people have to realize it is a it is a throwing darts at a dartboard you just practice your aim you try to hit your 20s when you need to and you hope for the best but when you get your, when you get your 20s it's also about making sure you develop them when they get there right and there's certain guys like I remember Pat Narduzzi was talking about Jared Verse yes. in one of our roundtables. And that's a guy who played high school football in Pennsylvania. Yep. And he, he even said, he's like, how in the world did we not see him? But no one did. The guy went to Albany. Right. And then he showed out in Albany. And then all of a sudden, Florida State noticed him. And I'm sure all other schools did too by then. But that's just the world we live in. Because of the portal and COVID and everything, Certain guys get overlooked, and there, there are tons of diamonds in the rough laying around. You just got to discover them, and especially if you're a program like Pitt where you don't have the luxury of just saying, here's a whole bunch of money, former all-conference player, come over here. Mm -hmm. No, you got to do a little bit of extra work. You got to go find some hidden gems, but they're out there. They're out there. So that's all I got, Carter. Any final thoughts? Uh, just that – I think that this is uh, now that we can conclude the OC search. We'd be on the lookout. I'm sure we'll get a uh, we'll get a chance to talk to Cade Bell, so we'll have some something there. Um, but also stay tuned because Pitt basketball uh, season continues here, and they got a couple more non-conference games before uh, game. And I know we didn't get any basketball questions, but I will say this: you know, I know that these are two non-conference games, and South Carolina State is a big deal. But Purdue Fort Wayne is yes. pretty high up in the net. 
Yes. That is going to be a much bigger game than people realize. And I think that that's one that if Pitt wins, it'll be a big resume booster. Purdue-Fort Wayne might be one of those teams that like goes on a Sweet 16 run. Like that, That's what the way their analytics are looking. And, and mm-hmm. But we, we'll, we'll talk more about Purdue-Fort Wayne later. Um, on, on the note as of closing thoughts, be sure to follow Abby Schnabel this week. She's heading down to Tampa Bay to cover the Pitt Volleyball Final Four run that they're on. She has a whole bunch of stuff planned as far as features and uh, previews, all that kind of stuff. You can read all of that at post-gazette.com, but she's got a lot of good stuff planned. Um, and maybe Chris and I will get involved in some way, shape, or form on the volleyball run as well because there's a lot of great stories to tell. But that's all we got. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and keep tuning in to this YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.